to First uh, Peter chapter five. This is a little different format than I'm used to here. We'll figure this out quickly enough. Where to put the notes and where to put the scriptures. Um, it was a privilege to get a chance to teach tonight. Pastor called me about two o'clock and uh, asked me if I could be available, and it's always a privilege to get to share God's word. And uh, one of the nice things about teaching or preaching or whatever is if you'll keep your comments as little as possible and use as much of the Word of God as possible, it's hard to get in trouble because the Word of God will get the job done. And uh, one of the things I wanted to chat about tonight is that um, how to succeed in Christian service. And, you know, and everyone sits there and says, well, I'm not into ministry. Well, you made a choice to be here tonight or you didn't. You chose to stay after you saw that I was going to teach. You know, that was a choice that, you know, you had a chance to make. You know, you prayed before the service started or you didn't. Uh, you came in and you were friendly or you weren't. You tried to be an encouragement or you didn't think about it. But the thing is, we're all in Christian service. Uh, as one of God's children, uh, we're empowered by God the Holy Spirit. And I know God the Father tells us to be all those things to our brothers and sisters in Christ and to remember the service and to try to do those things. So we either are doing it or we're not doing it. So what we're going to look at tonight, hopefully I'll be a blessing to you, is how to succeed uh, in Christian service. And we'll look here in First uh, Peter, starting in chapter 5, looking at verse 1 through 8. And it says, The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, and not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither being uh, lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be in subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The first thing I'd like to say about um, succeeding in Christian service is you need to learn how to learn. And I think the the scripture here gives us some examples when we look in verse 5. A lot of things about Christian service, who are you going to be ministering to? In Christian service, how are you going to, what are you going to be, who are you going to be ministering to? To people? You know, either your brothers and sisters in Christ or to the lost, but to people, right? So would it make sense to think about some people's skills? You know, there's just a lot of common, there's some practicality to Christian service. And one of the things it tells us here in verse 5, it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Now, this could mean someone who's physically older than you as far as age, but I think also it could, uh, probably has a lot to do with those who have been in Christian service longer. Uh, 
There is just a lot of things that can be learned and a lot of mistakes that can be avoided uh, if we would watch people who have some skill sets in these areas. Our pastor is very gracious. I mean, he, you know, that's one of the things I would say about our pastor. He is very gracious. You look at Brother Kenneth, and he's very humble. And, and yet, you know, there, there's just a lot of things that we can learn by just having our eyes open and being in subjection to, to the elder people, to people who, excuse me, have been doing it for a little while. And we can learn from that. And then, of course, instruction. You, to do Christian service properly, you have to be instructed. And again, we can submit ourselves to the elders. And one of the things you look at, be it age or be it years of service, they just have a broader range of experience in both areas. If they, if they uh, in years of life and how to deal with situations and how not to, like if I was to walk up to my brother and say, well, you look like a sinner. Do you want to know about Christ? That's not really a good way to get started. You know, you, you need to learn some tact. So anyway, the Scriptures tells us in the beginning for the younger to submit themselves to the elder. But it also says in the same verse, Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. And so what that's saying is no matter how long you've been in Christian service, you don't know it all. And there could be brothers or sisters in Christ in the church who are actually younger than you, who have had some life experiences that you may not yet have had. And there's things that you can learn from them. Um, the, um, one of the, our pastor made a comment about two weeks ago, and he, he made the comment almost in a throwaway line as far as he didn't stay on it very long. But he made a comment that one of the greatest learning disabilities, do you remember what he said was one of the greatest learning disabilities? Pride. Because if you approach a situation as if you already know all everything that needs to be known about it, you're unteachable. You know, you, your pride has put you in a position uh, where you cannot be uh, teachable. And no wonder in the same verse here, Peter, in verse 5, says, For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So the thing is, the, the Lord... He wants us to grow in grace and knowledge. Would you agree with me? The scriptures tell us that in Second Peter verse three and our chapter three and verse eighteen. So there's always opportunities for us to grow in grace and in knowledge. And there's just so many learning opportunities if we'll have our eyes open on how to handle situations. Uh, now, if God calls you into a ministry, if he leads you into a ministry, I think he will also empower you to be able to do that ministry. And he'll give you insights that sometimes will exceed your years. I remember when I was about 29 years old, 28, 29 years old, over at Gonzales Baptist Temple, which is in Gonzales, Louisiana, they had a 29-year-old pastor. And we had a situation where a family needed to be visited and some men were assigned to go do that visiting, and they asked him how to handle this situation. And these words that came out of his mouth were right on point as far as how to handle that situation. And a thought came to my mind. Those words didn't come from a 29-year-old. You know, those words came because God put that man in a job that required 
knowledge at that particular point, and he gave that knowledge. And so, you know, I sit there and learned from a man who's actually a few months younger than me, who hadn't really been in the ministry any longer than me as far as serving the Lord, but there's things we need to be receptive and be willing to learn. And, and it, it's a skill set. You have to have your eyes open. You can't just go walking through the life with your eyes with blinders on and expect to be very effective in the Christian service. There are just skill sets and training that's available to us from our elders and also from those that are not our elders. But we have to want that knowledge, have to take it when it's available, see it and apply it. But also... One of the things that we have is, uh, and we have to remember if we're going to succeed in Christian service, is that we have to learn to abide in Christ. We, we need to remember, if you guys want to turn with me to John chapter 15, and we'll come back to these verses here in just a minute, but in John chapter 15... There is a, a strong likelihood, and you've probably been praying to this end, that you'll get out of here early tonight. Uh, I, I tend to not repeat myself a lot, and if I can cover the material in 20 minutes or so, a lot of times that's what will happen. But we'll see what the Lord does. I can also be like my daughter and get to talking and be here for a while. I don't know where she gets it, but um, but we have to... Abide in Christ. The scriptures tell us in John chapter 15, starting in verse 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. This is the Lord speaking. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burnt. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done uh, unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Now, the, the Scripture says... I remember Brother Kenneth bringing one of his first messages that he preached for us over at the other building that we were in, over on Bender Road. And he he used this verse, and he made the comment. He said, have you ever looked in a dictionary and found out what that word nothing means? He said it means exactly what it says. It means nothing. And so the Lord sits there and tells us in verse 5, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me... And I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Think about that for a little bit. How would you like to live your Christian life and think you're going through the motions of Christian service, and when you stand before God and your works are tried with fire, the foundation is set, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you're saved. But to have everything consumed because you did it in the flesh... You did it the way you thought it ought to be done instead of abiding in Christ and and working through him so that he gets all the glory for it. One of the reasons that we should always do our ministries through the Lord's church is because if anything good comes out of it, who's going to get the glory? 
the Lord's church and the Lord of the church. And the same thing is true. You know, you, you talk to these people who have a problem with organized religion, and so they don't want to belong to a church. Well, where do they take their disciples? If, if they have the opportunity to lead someone to Christ, where do they send them to grow? You know, and also, if you're not part of that deal, what do you, well, who do you call on for a funeral? I never will forget a, a man that works for me who doesn't, isn't saved. And because I witnessed to him and stuff, he, he tries to be spiteful uh, to me. And um, he had a friend that was also a biker and stuff that he liked. And he died and he went to his funeral and a young preacher was preaching. And, um, didn't, and he, he was giving some antidotes and stuff like that. And one of the other biker guys yelled, well, what's that got to do with Billy? And he was mocking that young preacher by relating this story to me. He was mocking that preacher and in, in a broader way, mocking all Christians, you know. And I said, well, I know exactly what happened. And of course, I wasn't there, and so he was surprised that I knew exactly what had happened. I said, I got a family I got a feeling that that family didn't go to church anywhere. So they didn't have a pastor. And the funeral home reached out to a local church and asked a a local church to send somebody to bring a message to try to be a comfort. I said, if you want a preacher to say nice things about you at your funeral, you need to hang around where preachers hang around. And, And he didn't have anything to say about that, you know. But the thing is, we need to work within the confines of the church so that the Lord gets the glory. It's his institution. It's the only institution that he established on the face of the earth. And in inviting you in him, we're going to have to work through his institution that he's established, and that's the church. But we also see that um, what look in verse 6, and what happens if we don't abide in him? What happens to our service if we don't? abide in him it sits there and says and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burnt again you come back to that deal that if you try to walk this christian life without abiding in the lord if you try to do it in the flesh if you try to do it of your own self-will it's going to wither and again who wants at the end of life to look back and not have any rewards uh, for this life or, you know, to have all these regrets. But they don't have to be because we can abide in the Lord. And the scriptures give us some indications of how to do it. It says uh, in verse 7, the Lord talking about prayer here, but also he makes the phrase, if you abide in me, and then look at the next phrase, and my words abide in you. That's how you abide in the Lord is by making sure that you've applied the Word of God to your heart because if the Word of God is really entrenched in your heart and you're really feeding on the Word of God, how much room does that give for self? I mean, when you read the Scriptures, what, what does the Scriptures tell you about pride and about self? Is that something the Lord's real happy about? It's opposite, isn't it? You know, and so the thing is, the way to abide in the Lord is to invest yourself in the Word of God, be it in the teaching, the preaching, and the personal Bible study of the Word of God. The more you add to the, of the Word of God to your life, 
the more you're going to find yourself dwelling on the Lord, thinking about the Lord. It's going to indwell your spirit, and you're, in, you're abiding in the Lord. It's also that same Word of God and that knowledge of the Word of God that the Lord uses to train us for service. So again, we need to learn how to learn, pick up things that we can pick up from men of God and ladies of the Lord that are serving the Lord and learn the people skills, learn the, the, the graciousness that our pastor has, uh, and then to abide in the Lord. Part of, the biggest part of that is going to be to invest ourselves in the Word of God. Uh, but also, look with me, if you would, to verses 13 and 14 of chapter 15, John 15. And it says, the Lord speaking. Um, let's look at verse 12. We'll start with verse 12. And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So obedience to the Lord is our way of showing our, our, that we want to be a friend of God. But he tells us that no greater love hath... Let's, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. What did our Lord Jesus Christ do on the cross? He laid down his life. He said, you know, I lay it down. No man taketh from me. He laid down his life for us. And so as we look through this and the realization is as we um, put his word into our life, if we abide in his word, but also in the knowledge that Jesus Christ considers us his friend. Amen. Amen. You know, we have a chance to be show our friendship to him by being obedient, but there isn't no condition on him being our friend. You know, a lot of people want to do something so that God will love me more. You can't get God to love you anymore. You can free God's hands up so that he isn't bound not to bless you like he would like to because your misbehavior doesn't let him do what he would like to do in your life. But you can't live, you can't do anything to make God love you more. He loves you unconditionally. He sent, his son came to the cross and died for us unconditionally. If we'll come to him in faith in what he did for us on the cross, he'll save us unconditionally. He takes us just like we are. And then anything good that comes out of our life after that, he gets all the glory. You know, people think, well, yeah, he, he washed away my sins from, like I got saved when I was 18. So he washed away my sins from the time I was 18. But now I need to be careful from here on and keep accounts. No, all of my sins were future sins when he died on the cross. And so all of them were paid for. And so my citizenship in heaven is complete. It's took care of. But I can prove that I want to be a friend back to Jesus by being obedient to his commandment. But the, the knowledge of doing Christian service, and, and when you think about the, the awesomeness of getting to work inside one of the Lord's churches, but you think of the mission that that church has to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world, 
and that we're to bring people to the saving knowledge of Christ and then we're to train them so that they can do the same. If you really think about the awesomeness of that ministry, it would be a scary proposition. But it's also a great honor. It's a great privilege to be part of the Lord's church. But by knowing that Jesus Christ is your friend and by training and abiding in his word, letting his word train you and instruct you on how to live, you can walk through this life humbly but in security. That he has empowered you to do whatever ministry he has called you into. You can be the encourager. You can pray effectively for the church services. You can do whatever ministry the Lord leads you into, and you can do it effectively because he has given people in the church to help train you. He's given people there to encourage you, and he has also empowered you to be that same person to others. We just have to incorporate it and take on the willingness to do it and the realization that Jesus is our friend, but then he asked us, if you want to be my friend, show it. Be obedient to the things that I tell you to do. And it puts you in a position of abiding in him and makes your ministry effective because it isn't you doing the work at all. It's God the Holy Spirit working through you. It's Jesus. You let yourself be used of God so that Jesus can love that soul like he wants to. And bring that soul, either if it's a brother and sister in Christ, encourage that soul like you want to be the encourager. If they're a lost person, so that you can share Christ in such an effective way that they want what you're offering, and that is salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's God the Holy Spirit that wants to work through us, and Jesus that wants to love these souls through us. And at the end of the day, it isn't us, but it's God doing the work. By abiding in him, abiding in his word, walking with some security in this life, that even though the mission is awesome, it's, it's almost unimaginable. Uh, that, like Pastor makes that comment about, it isn't natural to love your enemy, is it? But God says to do it, so we know we can do it, but how can we do it? Because we're abiding in Christ. And we learn some skill sets. Like from Again, I've used the term several times, but... I am just, like I said, I am just humbled every time I listen to our pastor. Not only when he preaches, have you ever noticed that he never struggles to make a point? Now, you're not getting that tonight. But have you ever noticed he never seems to struggle when he's making a point? It just, God has used him and trained him, and he wants to be used of the Lord. And then when he visits with you and tries to be there with you, he is so gracious in the words that he uses and stuff. And, but those things are there for us to be trained by. And the same God, the Holy Spirit, that uses him will use us if we'll abide in the Lord and allow his word to abide in us. And then like a, another thing I'd like to look at, go back with me, if you would, to First uh, Peter chapter 5. And I may have lied to you. You may not get out that early after all. But in First Peter chapter 5, Talking about this, knowing that Jesus is your friend, look what it tells us in verse 7. Casting your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Think about that. Jesus said any trial you got, any problem you got, whatever you're going through, whatever burdens are on your heart, 
cast them on me because he cares for you. I mean, how many of you times you've ever, you know, maybe been, uh, you know, feeling melancholy and you're talking about some of your troubles, but in the back of your mind you know the people that are listening don't really care that much. You'll never have that problem with Jesus. Our Lord Jesus cares for us. It tells us in the Scriptures. He's proved it on the cross. He proved it with his gracious words that he had all through the gospel accounts as we read them. But the thing is, you think about not only does he care about us, but he cares about our service. Because it tells us back in, we won't turn there, but I'll read it to you. Back in John chapter 15 and verse 8 that we read, it says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So Christ not only cares for you as an individual, but he cares that you learn how to learn and that you abide in him and you abide in his word so that you can be a fruitful Christian. So that at the end of the day, we can also look at what it says here um, in verse 6. It says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Think about that with me just a little bit. How can, if, how can we walk through this life strutting when we think about the awesome God that we serve and that we're a created being? I mean, how can I take much pride in what I accomplish when I have to acknowledge I'm created? I didn't even make myself. And then everything good that's ever come into my life has come down from heaven. You know, and the abilities and talents that I have, that I, I get to you, they're all God-given. You know, they're gifts from him. So, you know, when you think about that, he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. You know, there's, a, there's another side of that coin. When he says up here in the um, verse 5, it says, God resisteth the proud. Do you want God happen to resist you? Do you want to see the, I know my dad, he, you know, when he was upset, I didn't really want to see what his hands were up to real quick because I knew what they were going to do. Uh, the thing is, you know, we don't want to be on the wrong side of that coin. Uh, but he also sits there and he says in that verse, he says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Christ also wants to reward you. He wants to, he cares about your, you as an individual he cares about your service because it glorifies the Father and brings souls to the saving knowledge of Christ. But he also wants to re- reward you in due time. It may be during this life. It may be in glory. But God is faithful. He will accomplish what he wants, and you won't do anything for him without being rewarded for it. It ought not be our motivation for doing it, love ought to be our motivation, but God, Jesus tells us to put rewards up in heaven. So it's nothing that we should be ashamed of either. But God wants to exalt us in, the, in the due time. And then the last thing as we go through this life and we look at verse 8, he tells us also to just remember that we have an enemy. And when we get our eyes off of Christ, when we... Allow something to get us to the point where we're not abiding in the Lord and we're not abiding in his word and we're not remembering who our friend is. All of a sudden, we can get off into something we shouldn't or we're just not alert like we should be. Because he sits here and he warns us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Now, what is the devil? He's our adversary. In other words, we have an enemy. 
He tried to mess with God, and it didn't work out, did it? But because it didn't work out, and he still hates God, he goes after what God loves, and God loves us. And so we've got an enemy, we've got an adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. We just, as we walk through this life in security because we're abiding in the Lord and abiding in his word and knowing that Christ is our friend, if we're doing those things, we'll be in tune to the spiritual warfare that's going on around us. We'll be in tune to the traps that Satan's trying to set up for us. Because he's busy doing it, and he's been doing it for years. You know, he may be working on a trap on you that he's been working on for 20 or 30 years to set you up for. You know, you look at the great, our pastors made the comment several times about the great men of God. You go back to Abraham, he was known for faith, and yet he got scared, so he lied about his wife and said she was his sister and almost lost his family. You go back to David, and he was known for purity. And yet he got in trouble with Bathsheba and then committed murder to cover that up. You go back to Moses, he was known for being meek, and he lost his temper. And it cost him not being able to go into the promised land. So Satan sometimes is busy for a long period of time setting his traps, and we just need to be vigilant. We need to be sober. But the thing is, if we stay in tune to the Lord, abiding in the Lord, learning to learn and doing the things that we know to do in our Christian walk with the Lord, we'll have our antenna up and we'll be in tune to the guiding of God, the Holy Spirit, who can walk us around these traps that Satan is busy trying to set for us. I want to thank you all for your attention. I hope you all have a blessed night. Let's remember still the Awana clubs and what's going on with them. Brother Bubba, could I get you to close this in a word of prayer?